It could be the smell of cinnamon rolls or the smell of freshly cut grass or popcorn when you go into the movie theater that grabs your attention. Or maybe it's the smell of wet dog that grabs your attention. If you're like most people, then those smells are just kind of whip you whatever, whatever shape that you need to be whipped into and kind of set your heart in a certain direction if you're most people. But there was one woman that was not most people. Uh, for 15 years, this woman was completely unable to smell anything. And because then smell is linked to taste, uh, she, she couldn't taste anything either. Everything that she put in her mouth just tasted bland. And doctors had run every possible test. Uh, they tried every possible angle and to no avail. Uh, they couldn't fix her problem. And she had had just about enough of it. And later in life, she went to her mom and she said, Mom, I give up. I'm never going to be able to smell again. What in the world are we going to do? And her mom, who was 97 years old and had been a, a fighter all her life, uh, she'd been a prayer warrior all her life, uh, did in that moment what she had been doing for her daughter her entire life. She said, well, I know what I'm going to do. Uh, when I get to heaven, I'm going to sit down with our God and get to the bottom of this for you. And I'll the woman didn't particularly like the idea of losing her mom anytime soon. But when she heard that from her mom, she knew that she would do it. She knew she'd march right up to our father in heaven when she got there and say, hey, my daughter's got a smelling problem and you need to do something about it. She'd been doing that her whole life. She reflected back on that. And every single time in her teen years when there was something difficult, then, then mom would go to bat for her in prayer. In those particularly rough seasons during her 20s and early 30s, mom went to bat for her in prayer. And little did she know it after they had this conversation about her inability to smell, it was just a couple of weeks later where this woman's mom passed away on Easter Sunday. Her heart gave out. And they had a couple long hours at the hospice center where it had taken place. And she and her husband uh, packed things up back in the car, and it was kind of a quiet drive home. They decided to pull over at a pizza joint just to grab a pizza and take it home with them. And as this woman that hadn't been able to smell for 15 years went to the, the door of this pizza parlor and opened it, she said she almost fell over because of the smell. Freshly baked bread, uh, garlic sweet tomato sauce. The smell was overwhelming to her. Uh, she walked in and she was trembling, thinking that, that any moment the smell would pass. This would be sort of a, a quick moment, a quick little gift. And she got the pizza. She couldn't even wait to get to the car because if it smelled that good, then it was probably going to taste even better. And so she took a bite of it before she even got back to the car and that gooey cheese and the tasty pepperoni. It overwhelmed her senses. And she thought, how is this possible? Until she remembered her mom saying, when I get to heaven, I'm going to go talk to God and get to the bottom of this for you. 
and she's had no trouble smelling or tasting ever since. Now, I, I don't know about how that all works, but I do know that we have a very mysterious God. We've got a mysterious God, a, a powerful God, a very, very big God. In, in Hebrew thought that the Bible was written in, the Hebrews didn't have any trouble with two seemingly opposite truths coexisting. It was no big deal for them. Our Greek or Western minds don't like that. We like black or white, yes or no, right or wrong. But the Hebrew thought they loved all sorts of mystery. They could handle things that seemed to be opposite, especially as they related to God. And they went, yeah, that's God. He doesn't function on our terms. And that's why you go through the scriptures and you find so many detailed, interesting intricacies of our mysterious God. He is three, and yet he's one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and yet one God. We're referred to, the church, as both sinners and saints. Uh, we're, we're called to, to, in order to gain our life, we've got to lose it. Uh, if you want to lead out in the kingdom of God, then you first got to become the servant of all others. We're, we're predestined, and yet we've got the freedom to choose. There's a whole bunch of opposites and intricacies that we look at, and we go, how could that be? And God says, because of me. I don't function on your terms. And Isaiah, uh, the prophet in the Old Testament that, that revealed so much to us about the nature and the character of God, he, he says that God is unlike any other there is no other God, and there's no one like him. And he reminds us in Isaiah 55 that his ways are not like our ways. He's a mysterious God. He does things as he wants. Someday, when you're God, you can do things how you want. That's not going to happen, by the way. Don't worry, we're not getting crazy here. But God is God and God alone. And so we've got to wrestle with this mysterious, big God, this intricate God. You fast forward to the New Testament, and God shows up in the flesh, and we get this mysterious Jesus. We get Jesus, who is equally as mysterious. He is Referred to, as we just sang, the lion and the lamb. Those are opposites. He came full of grace and full of truth. Uh, Jesus is fully human and fully divine. That's a mysterious Jesus. But he became like one of us because for all the mystery accompanying Jesus... He didn't want to remain a complete mystery. He, he wanted to make God known. And so he became like one of us in every way and yet was without sin. And he came to earth here and, and walked amongst us and lived amongst us to show us what God is like. And he cut through a great deal of the mystery. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody gets to the Father except through me. Uh, to know me is to know the Father. 
And Jesus was trying to be real clear there. He's cutting through the mystery, and he's basically saying, uh, truth isn't some lofty concept. It's not just an idea. Uh, Truth is a person. Jesus is the truth. And so we're here to celebrate the truth of Jesus, who he is and what he has done for us. If you want to know the truth about you, you want to know the truth about God, you want to know the truth about life, you want to know the truth about our world, you look to Jesus and he'll tell you what you need to know about all of those areas. He loves you more than you could possibly imagine and that was displayed so hugely when he went to the cross voluntarily. He was aware that there was a sin problem that every single one of us had, and it was keeping us from a relationship with a God that loved us. And so rather than stay far off, he rolled up his sleeves, became like one of us and says, I'll come in and I will represent you just like flags represent us. I will represent you. And I will take your place. And he went to the cross And he took the punishment for sin on himself so that you and I don't have to experience that punishment. But then greater than that, then three days later on Easter Sunday, a Sunday morning, then he rose from the dead. And in that moment, Jesus canceled sin and he purchased eternal life for me and for you. That's our Jesus In that moment, Jesus was victorious over sin and death. I could not emerge victorious over my sin or my death, but Jesus could. And so when it comes to being a Christian, when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, I will boast all day long about my Jesus because he and he alone did something that I could never do and you could never do and nobody else could ever do for us. He was victorious over sin and death. Now, here's the mystery about me and you. When I am weak, then I'm strong. Uh, There's a mystery. Uh, When I surrender, then I find victory. When I surrender to him, then I can really experience his victory in my life over the things that ail me, over the sin that wrecks my life. When I am weak, then I am strong. That's good news. Because right now... You can be okay with the weaknesses and the failures and the losses and the rough seasons in your past, knowing that God floods through those broken moments in our lives. That he's not looking at you and saying, I need you to muster all the strength and talent and accomplishments that you can in order to make yourself good enough for God. That is impossible. But what is possible, and I know this all too well, is for me to discover that I'm weak. For me to hit my knees and humble myself before God. For me to to bow a knee before him in my weakness and my failures and my sin and say, I can't pull this off, but Jesus, you already did. And so what I'm going to do is just get real close to you. 
I'm going to trust the truth of Jesus and his work on the cross. And I will gladly surrender. I will gladly surrender my life to a Jesus, this Jesus, the Christ, the one and only Son of God that laid down his life for me and then rose again to take my place. I will surrender to him to find his victory in my life. Will you? Have you? This flag that's behind me that says victory, the ones that are all around our area here that are waving victory, a white flag means surrender. And yet written over that says victory. It's not your victory. It's the victory of Jesus on your behalf. And we're praying that the truth of his victory over your sin, that he can cancel your sin and purchase eternal life for you, that that will be the banner, the flag that now flies over your life in a very special, special way. You want to know how people will know that you were at Heights Easter because y'all got rednecks. We're all going to be fried. So that's how people, they wouldn't even have to ask you. They'll just be like, yep, there's another one. There's another one. There's another one. There's a story that Ron's telling you about. When on a tree hung God himself. And, and, And he chose that path by surrender. And surrender brought victory. Surrender. You can go ahead and take a seat. You want to know how people will know that you were at Heights Easter because y'all got rednecks. We're all going to be fried. So that's how people, they wouldn't even have to ask you. They'll just be like, yep, there's another one. There's another one. There's another one. There's a story that Ron's telling you about. When on a tree hung God himself. And and, and he chose that path by surrender. And surrender brought victory. Surrender of God himself purchased our victory. And as that moment was taking place, as, as the body of Jesus was taken down and he's, he's placed within a tomb, a tomb that had never been used before, that was carved out of rock, and, and they put him inside, and they sealed it up, and, and the scriptures actually say that they asked to make sure that no one could get in, and, and it's unsure whether that meant how it was sealed, the thought is that a rope was put over and the, the Roman seal was placed on it. And if it was removed by death, Rome would show up. And, and heaven watched this whole scene. And I imagine there's a conversation going on. Because it's been one, two, and now it's the third day. And in that moment, God calls over the holy angels. And the angels show up. And God goes, I got a job for you. And the angels are like, 
what do you want us to do? It's already all been done. And he goes, no, 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 it's not done yet. I got something else for you. You see, I need you to show up. And I need you to go down and there's a, there's a rock. And the angels are like, we don't understand. Jesus isn't there. And they go, yeah, yeah. Well, God goes, I know that, but I still need you to show up. I need you to take that rock that Rome said couldn't be moved. And I need you to roll it on back. Don't be confused. The rock wasn't rolled because Jesus needed to get out. He was already out. And so the angels look at God and they're like, man, why? Why, why does the rock need to be removed? And I believe, just imaginary-wise, the conversation went like this. Because they're going to need to know. They're going to need to know. In 2017, in a park in Prescott, Arizona, they're going to need to know the grave was empty. And so I believe that the angels, the angels looked at God and they said, so it's not for you, it's not for us, it's not because Jesus needs to get out. It's because there's a whole bunch of people that need to know that the tomb is empty. The victory has come. And so in the scriptures, they tell the story, I believe it picks up here, that after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. By the way, I believe their posture was somewhat down. Because they expected to find what they'd left. And what they'd left was a rock in place. And what they'd left, what they'd left was a body in a grave. And they showed up with spices. Because it was tradition in those days that you were going to put the spices on the body. And they hadn't had a chance to do so. And so I believe their posture was kind of dragging to the grave. And the scriptures say, there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. By the way, did you know that when heaven shows up, it shows off? Now hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Brad, make sure my page don't go away. I just said, when heaven shows up, it shows off. We have any people where heaven has showed up and it showed off for you. Because this day, the day we celebrate, you go back. And there was a violent earthquake. It shook the whole place. And I believe today, in a few moments, you're going to be the earthquake for our town. And it's going to be your voice. And it's going to be us declaring the victory we have. Because we have a tomb that is empty. The angel of the Lord came down from heaven. And going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. White is for surrender. But white in this moment of the angel claimed it is 
done. It's finished. Victory has come. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the corpses. He's come out from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. Okay, here we go. You ready? I need you to look at the person next to you and you tell them you got to get in. Now look the other way. You got to get in. Okay. That first day, the tomb was open. Tomb was open for everyone that needed to see in. The tomb was open for you today to get in. And the angel of the Lord came all the way from heaven and showed up in an earthquake. And when it showed up in an earthquake, it showed up. Why? To invite us in the tomb. Why? Because if you don't get in, you will never see. If you don't get in, you will never see. And so then the angel says, come see. Come see. So now look at your person next to you and tell them, you got to take a look. Now look the other way, you got to take a look. So you got to get in, and then you got to take a look. And so the tomb is an invitation for you. I believe God left it for you today. I believe God left it for you to get inside of. And here's how I know. There's another story. There's these two guys, right? One named Peter, one named John. They might have been a little bit competitive. Because in the story, one of them brags about, I got there first. But here's what's interesting. The one that got there first did this. He didn't get in. He didn't get in. He took a look from the outside. And the guy that came second, he flies right by him into the tomb. And he barges in and he looks around. And the other one is so moved at what happens when he gets in. That the guy that's doing this goes in. And it says that he saw and believed. I believe that if you are here today and you are sitting on the outside, you got to get in. The tomb's open for you to walk in and take a look. You got to get in and you got to take a look. But there's one more thing because when you start taking a look, here's what you're going to see you're going to see some bandages. You're going to see some bandages that should have been wrapped around a dead man that are no longer wrapped around a dead man because the dead man ain't there. You're going to see laying all over the space, the fact that there's not a body tells you that something happened and the tomb isn't doing what it's supposed to do because it could not hold him. Not even the seal of Rome could hold him. 
because heaven had to burst out so that we might find victory, so that we might be forgiven. There's one more thing. It doesn't do you any good to get in and to take a look without looking at your neighbor and telling them, you got to claim victory. Go ahead, look at your neighbor. You got to claim victory. Some of you ain't doing it. I can see you. You got to claim victory. Tell the other person. You got to get in. You got to take a look at the evidence that the resurrection is real. And you got to claim it for you. You have to claim it for you. The women who walked with their posture this way left, hurried, it says in another part, and they were full of joy. You know what you should leave the park with today because the tomb is empty? Joy. You should be the happiest people. Why? Because the tomb is empty. Victory has come. It is here. It is now. Victory is here. It is now. There's a pastor. His name is Levi Lusco. And Levi wrote a book about something that happened in his life. And in that book, he describes it's five days away from Christmas. Say five days away. Five days away from Christmas. And his daughter, five days away from Christmas, little Linya, had an asthma attack. And she died in his arms at the front door, waiting, waiting for help to arrive. He ushered her into the arms of Jesus. And what got me was he wrote a book about the whole journey. I mean, first of all, he showed up five days later to preach the Christmas message because he believed in Jesus that much. And as he writes the book, he starts to talk about Friday. That between Friday, Good Friday, and this day, there's a Saturday. And he begins to talk about how it feels like in that moment that the Saturday is going to last forever. And he starts to describe how he knows deep in his bones that he has more, more life ahead with Linnea because Sunday is coming. Because Sunday is coming. He has more life ahead than he had behind. He has more life in front. He can stand today with hope and with joy. Why? Because the tomb is empty. And today for you, I don't know how you came to the park. Some of you probably still didn't get over how long it took you to get in. It's okay. The tomb's still empty. It's okay. But for some of you, you're sitting here and you're next to your spouse. And you don't even know if it's good, you're going to make it. You're sitting here and it's a miracle you're here together. Can I tell you, go in, take a look. Go in, take a look. The tomb is empty. Claim victory that your marriage, your spouse, God can restore. He can repair because he can resurrect. And for those of you that the diagnosis 
hasn't been what you thought it was. And you're sitting in the aftermath and you don't know what that looks like. Go in, take a look. The tomb is empty. Claim the victory. Sunday is coming. Sunday is coming for those of you that you're here and your kids and you don't know what's going on with your kids and what's going to happen. Claim the victory. Go in. Take a look. Your kids are going to be all right. Why? Because the tomb is empty. Those of you that are here and you're addicted to something, you're just barely hanging on. And maybe it's day 10. Maybe it's two months. Hold on. Toe in. Take a look. The grave is empty. The tomb is empty. Church, on your feet, we are going to sing about a resurrecting king who is resurrecting us back to life because the tomb is empty.